This episode of the Better Every Shift podcast is brought to you by Lexipol, the experts in policy, training, wellness support, and grants assistance for first responders and government leaders. To learn more, visit Lexipol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L.com. Now let's get into the show. Hello, buddy. Welcome to the Better Every Shift podcast. My name is Aaron Zamzo, a firefighter, EMT, training officer from uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Here as your host, with me as always, is my co-host, the captain, the editor-in-chief, Janelle Fusquet. Janelle, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Um, I'm a little sentimental. I'm a little excited, way excited. Uh, today is the chief that made it possible for me to get hired at my current location in Madison, Wisconsin. He sat there and uh, asked me the difficult questions and then um, wound up hiring me full time. It is uh, Chief Jim Keegan, who is now with Illinois uh, Fire Safety Institute. And uh, he actually, believe it or not, folks, was uh, raised in a house like a block away from mine in a small little town called Lodi, Wisconsin. So we were just talking about that. Uh, Chief, how you doing? Thanks for being here. I'm doing great. And, and thanks for having me on the show. And good to see you again, Janelle. You too. And can I jump in as an editor for just a second and say it's the Illinois Fire Service Institute? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> see? Right. We always know that there's a back end story, Chief, about how I, I will overthink and mess up a lot of names. And um, and of course, this is one where I, I knew I would mess up. But anyways, just, just uh, say IFSI. I see. And that one I still can't do. IFSI. Uh, but happy, happy to have you here. Now, your career actually started in Lodi, Wisconsin, which is a small little town where I actually am sitting in right now of, of like a population of maybe 2000. And then from there, you uh, went to Janesville, Wisconsin, where uh, you started to get more into leadership. Then you uh, became an EMS coordinator for uh, Beloit Memorial Hospital and then got hired in Madison, Wisconsin, where you did division chief of, uh, you know, for, you did everything there. You did grants, planning, personnel, training, and um, you were assistant chief and uh, made a great decision to hire me. Uh, back in 2009, and then retired in 2013, I believe, from Madison, and then uh, are now the director of Illinois Fire Service Institute, which um, is one of the best, uh, I think, in, in, in leading the entire industry in everything from leadership development, you're working with UL on, on research, um, you've, you've, it's really come full circle for you, hasn't it? Oh, it's, it's been a great opportunity here. Um, you know, you spent, I spent 33 years in the fire service, two years before that as a volunteer in Lodi on the ambulance service. Um, and, um, I can, I can remember, um, being in high school, riding the ambulance with, uh, other other EMTs and other EMS people there, including uh, some of my high school teachers and some of my high school coaches. So um, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do, and, and they gave me some direction on how to do that. And, and it started with being a volunteer and 
and I just lucked out and got hired by a career department and then got hired by Madison um, because I wanted to go to the bigger city and be busier. And you were, and you, you, you did every position there. Uh, and, and I remember sitting in an interview pretty intimidated by it at the time. Cause I, I was uh, in my mid thirties and I'm like, God, I hope they take a chance on me. Um, and you were, I think you were the assistant chief. You were, I think you were assistant chief of personnel at that mm -hmm. point. Uh, do you remember our interview at all? You know, I, I, I do a little bit. Um, I don't think I had to talk the chief uh, Amesqua too much into hiring you. I think you interviewed pretty well. Um, I, you know, the, the first question was, tell us a little bit about yourself and why do you want to come here? And I think that, you know, you if I remember right, you came in with a, a bit of a portfolio on <laughs> some fitness stuff and, and how you thought this was going to be a perfect fit for a career and that, that you really wanted to contribute to the department. And those were the kind of things, you know, we want, we were looking for good people that wanted to make a difference in, in the organization. I didn't need to have a bunch of people that, that like the time off and, and were looking for something else to do. He did remember. I did have that book. I still have that book. Maybe someday when I retire, I'll have to bring it back out. Um, and you know, you talk about great people. We've, we've had great conversations and, and I, I, I feel very honored to, to be able to reach out with you with any questions behind the scenes and, and, and feel like, uh, you know, we've been kind of a mentor along the way. You have a, a knack for grooming people and putting people in the right spot. And it sounds like you've, you've done that, um, you know, with, with Illinois and, and, um, with the fire service Institute, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing there and, um, kind of where you guys are going and what's your vision for IFSI. So IFSI is a state fire Academy and, and it's different than a lot of States. We've actually been here. This is our 99th year in being in existence in, in, in some way, shape or form. Um, we're about to have our 99th fire college, um, we, we exist by state statute, so we uh, have a specific statute that says, here's what you will do, and our mission statement is really clear. Um, our mission is to help firefighters do their work, comma, through training, education, information, and research. And, and the way that statute is written, it gives me a great deal of, of latitude and, and, and opportunity to train firefighters and to do research that helps firefighters do their work. So it's 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 a great opportunity for me, but it's it's a great place to be because we get to make a difference every day. And and we were talking just before the start of the show. It, it's a great second career for me because I wasn't I wasn't ready to be done when I left Madison. I was looking for what's next. And, and I had a number of people tell me, you know, I was applying for chief jobs around the country and, and I, I figured that I would eventually have success, but they said, you really need to stay in education, that, that, that it suits you well. And um, I've been an engaged in education almost my entire adult life. Uh, so to, to be able to come here at, at one of the premier training institutes, you know, last year we saw 58,000 students in outreach. Uh, across the across the country. Um, before COVID, we were in the 60s. Uh, coming here, I've been able to travel internationally, uh, in particular to China, to deliver training um, in China. And those are things that, that have been, you know, a, a tremendous amount of fun, 
especially for somebody that's a, a training officer or a trainer at heart, but it's also been a great experience. And it's, it's just, you know, it, it just being lucky sometimes. And you probably heard me say this before. It's better to be lucky than good because <laughs> things, things come together. They do, but they also, uh, you know, I, I wanted to start by, by talking a little bit about, you know, what you're doing there. Um, with with IFSI because it wasn't always roses, right? Like you went through a very um, long and successful career in Madison and and then put in for the main job and didn't get it. And 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 like you said, you weren't ready to be done. And we've talked about this, like you know, sometimes unanswered prayers, right? Uh, like take us through that a little bit. Like wh- what what did you feel, and then? You know, what advice would you have for someone that, that's kind of doing that? Maybe didn't get that promotion they wanted or didn't get that job. Uh, but, you know, we still have to provide service and, and work on ourselves. So uh, walk us through that a little bit. So that, that's a great question. So we all go through life and we have disappointments. You know, um, you write for lieutenant and, um, you know, you, you, you don't get picked. Or you write for lieutenant and instead of being at the top of the list, you're at the bottom of the list. And, and, and you know, eventually things will work out. Um, I did apply for the fire chief's job. I, I had spent my all, whole career working my way up, uh, was the number two chief in, in Madison, and went through the interview process. And there's a panel and they were looking for certain things. Um, I I think that I was a, a perfect example of everything that was going right historically, but sometimes organizations want to go in a different direction or, or um, the, the, over, uh, the oversight of the organization thinks that they could do things better. You know, they, they could have promoted me and, and kept, kept on the same track that they were. They wanted to go on a di- different track. And, and I'm good with that. And, and I was lucky to hit that point in my career where, you know, I was, I, I had been in the uh, fire service in Wisconsin for 33 years and it gave me a lot of, of great experience and, and a lot of great knowledge and, and uh, opportunities to work across the board, especially being involved in various state committees and, and things like that. But it also set me up for success wherever I was going to go. And um, I know that uh, I was going to find something that that was going to be a good fit and had the opportunity to come here, um, work for a a great director, um, Colonel Royal Mortensen, who was my predecessor. Um, He offered me the position to run the firefighter program. And then a short while later, after they, they checked me out and you know how it is. People look great on paper, but you never know what they're going to be like. Um, I had the opportunity to become the deputy director and I, I spent the next eight years being the deputy director. And, and here I am being the director of the Institute, um, one of the premier research facilities in the country studying firefighter health, wellness, safety, um, byproducts of combustion, um, cancer research. Um, you've met Dr. Farzan Masood, our director of research, and she's she's working hard on on uh, reinvigorating the program with a, a, a great deal of focus on um, how firefighters are exposed, what they're exposed to, but also how to um, mitigate the risks um, to reduce the chances of cancer. Um, we we had a long 
time experience with Gavin Horn as our director of research mm -hmm. and Dr. Denise Smith, who, who every, I, I see both nodding and you know them. And, and they were leaders that, that set us up for success. Um, Terry Von Thaden and the staff that were here um, allowed us to work with UL and NIOSH and um, Kenny Finn and Dan Majikowski and Steve Kerber and, and that whole team. And, and it, it, it allows us to be on that, that cutting edge, that bleeding edge on research for firefighters to make firefighting safer and firefighters healthier. Plus, we have classes that, that I would put up against anybody that we, we teach the whole gambit. But unlike a lot of places, we're not just focused or, or we're not focused on certification. We're, we're focused on training and developing experience. You can, you can go a lot of places and have an experience. But what's important are the sets and reps. So when you walk away, you have experience. So you can take that and work that into whatever whatever's going on on the scene that you're having and be able to solve that problem. Because one, there's no 912 and you mm -hmm. got to solve the problem. And you see that every day. Um, you got your ladder two hat and, and no matter what, you're on, you're on the fridge of the empire alone and unafraid and, you know, helps coming, but it's, it's five, maybe 10 minutes away. You got to solve that problem and you got to set it, set up the scene for success. Yeah. Well, and it's clear that you guys are working on a ton of stuff right now. Are there any projects in particular that you want to uh, highlight at IFSI that are um, either new or something you're ramping up right now? So I, I could give you a whole bunch of, I, I could give you a whole book of stuff, but but some of the, the programs that I think that are really exceptional that we have here is that we have a thing called BOF in at, at IFSI, Basic Operations Firefighter Blended. It is a 18 week program focused at volunteers that leverages technology. We just, by happenstance, kicked it off before COVID started, and thank God we did. Um, one of the areas, you know, 75% of our firefighters in Illinois are volunteers, but, but that's kind of the statistics wherever you go in the country. And how do you get firefighters, Firefighter One, certified? And how do you make that available to volunteers? Well, leverage, leverage the click, flipped classroom concept deliver all the content online, give them a administrative instructor mentor that helps them do their homework because a lot of times they haven't had that kind of experience and then bring them together on weekends when they're available. And we do it every other weekend. So, so it isn't so taxing that you can't do something else. And then we give you nine practical session, nine practical weekend sessions, and and we built that off of our in residence academy, which we give to career departments. And um, with with this fall, we're going to exceed over a thousand people trained and certified uh, or eligible for certification in Illinois that never would have been certified in the past. And and. That's, that's going to change the complexion of the next generation of the fire service because the, the volunteers are all going through this now. And, and we're going to do the same kind of thing with the, the company officer program that we have and, and 
use that same pattern. We're doing the same concept with our chief fire officer program now where they deliver all the content online once a month and then they physically get together once a month um, to, to, to do classroom sessions and, and uh, practical application, um, ethical, moral decision activities, um, those kind of things. And, and I think that that concept of flipping the classroom and making the training available when students want it to a great extent allows a, a great deal of flexibility for the volunteer. The other program that I think is, is second to none is our leadership development decision-making making program. Um, our LDDM is a seven lines of education that um, truly gives you a hands-on leadership decision-making experience. And, and it's not about running firegrounds because everybody wants to do that. But the, the, the things to get people in trouble are the ethical, moral decisions that happen every single day throughout your career. And you've got leadership and followership. You've got history traditions. Um, you've got um, tactical, technical practical aspects, but, but you know, you, you, you work your way through how to communicate with people, how to, how to convey your message and how to uh, uh, provide the information when appropriate and how not to provide information that's not appropriate. And, and they do that in a Socratic method. So the instructors aren't in front of a classroom all day long lecturing you. They give you a little information, then you break into small group discussions and you work with your peers through various problem sets. And sometimes there's no one right answer or any right answer. And you have to defend your decision or your, your position. And it, it really develops that leadership experience. Um, and you've got to do it on the fly. So it, you go back to that, that OODA loop thing um uh, that from um void where you know you observe um you, you you know you you orient yourself you uh decide and you act and and you know um it's it's a great opportunity and, and it puts you as is some people would say in the hot seat a lot throughout that that it could be a five-day class or it could be a series of half-day classes or one-day classes depends on whatever you want and then the last thing I'll highlight is uh, I, our RIT program here, our, our responder intervention training is, is second to none. Um, we just uh, had another weekend group from across the country, across the world here during FDIC. They put them on the bus, drive them over, give them the lectures on the bus on the way over. They do practicals all day, and then they ship them back at the end of the day, giving them a flavor of our five-day RIT class, which truly prepares you for the scenarios of writ. Most writ situations, people rescue themselves or a nearby crew rescue them. What the class we have here trains you to do is for those complex rescues, those situations where you truly have to extricate a firefighter that is trapped in a hostile environment with fire and smoke and confusing radio traffic. Um, and it, it prepares them, it gives them the experiences that through fr various friction and activities we create. So it's not the first time when they're on the fire ground and they hear that mayday call. So now, can anybody participate? 
can can anybody participate in these? Uh, Absolutely. We have we have uh, obviously opportunities uh, in all of our programs for out of state and out of country students to attend. Uh, we're focused on Illinois and they get priority, but we always have some spots available in all of our classes that out of state or international students can can attend. We just just finished RIT today. We had um, a young man from. Uh, Delafield, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, we had two firefighters from Canada, a couple of firefighters from uh, Ohio. At the, the FDIC day, we had firefighters from Germany and Canada. Um, I think we had some from California this week too. So, you know, if, if there are open spaces, we want to fill them. We want a full class every time. And, and they get the opportunity. That being said, you don't get the grant covered classes. You don't get the free classes that the Illinois students, you have to, you have to pay the cost. Um, but it's, it's that way with all of our classes. Yeah. But the departments, if they send their members to this, they're all, their department's going to benefit because that member comes back and they. Tons of they, information, tons of experience. And it's that way with any of our classes. Again, you're not coming here to see some somebody do something. You're coming here to gain experience yourself, whether it's it's structural collapse or rope rescue or hazmat or any of our firefighting classes. You're having sets and reps, and you're doing it over and over and over again. And that's how you develop experience. It isn't it isn't seeing somebody do it in a video. It isn't watching it on American Heat as you're sitting in the leathers in the in the TV room. It's doing it and it's hands-on and developing your own experience and adapting that information we give you so you can take that back to your organization. And we hope you do. And we hope you we give you uh, good resources to take back and, and to practice with your own organization. And you're all about continuing education. And I think you know, we previously we we talked about okay, so you know, coming over or overcoming that that maybe that little bit of a hardship with not getting the chief job, but you had your education that to fall back on. I mean, you you have and and I I kind of uh, botched the your bio because there's just so much there. But I mean, you you're, you're executive fire officer at at National Fire Academy. You're chief fire officer for Center for Public Safety Excellence. You graduated International Association Fire Chiefs of Fire Service Director Development Institute. You have your master's, you have your bachelor's, right? Like that education drives you uh, throughout your career, number one. But uh, like you're, you're saying, that's what you're passionate about. What, what do you think or what would you tell somebody who, okay, I'm now I'm in the fire service. I'm at that lull period, like five, six, seven, eight, you know, how do you keep that person invigorated? What, what, what would you recommend? And, and, you know, what's a message to that person that you would have would send out? So there's a couple of things. One is that, uh, and, and it's, it's typical stuff. Start, start with where do you want to go and what do you want to do? And a lot of people go, well, geez, I, I want to ride tailboard the rest of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the question ultimately is who do you want to work for? And you've heard me say this before. Mm -hmm. You need to you need to compete for those positions, and um, you need to um, develop yourself for whatever is next. Being a great firefighter is critically important. So, so you've got to develop the technical skills, and you've got to do that 
those jobs. And before I ever got to Madison, I had 10 years of experience on the job in, in Janesville. And, and they spent a lot of time and energy uh, and money on us, developing us as firefighters and firefighter paramedics. And um, being able to travel around the country to take training was invaluable to set me up for success. And then once I got to Madison, I just continued that myself, where, where I regularly went to FDIC and I regularly went to GEMS and FRI and went to classes that were available whenever I could find them. Because whether you agree with somebody's message or not, you, you really should go listen to it. And, and learn from it. There's always stuff to take away. Always and, something. and I, you know, I could go on with reading various materials that come out and, and books and uh, training opportunities. Um, the internet today is, is amazing. You can, you can get information on anything that you want without ever having to leave home, but, but you still have to go get practical experience, you know, whether it's, um, MSA extrication school or Monroe fire school or fire college or any of the local training that's available. that's out there. Um, Mabish training, things like that. You got to continue to develop yourself and commit yourself to the profession. And, and when I talk about profession, I don't care if you're paid or volunteer, you're a professional and a professional holds himself to a standard and they hold themselves to a, a, a higher standard, but they, they also learn their trade. They learn about all of those things, whether it, and, and it's not just one thing. Oh, I'm a, I'm a hazmat guy. So all I want to learn about hazmat, you're not because you're still a firefighter. And, and it's like the Marine Corps, everyone's an infantryman and everybody's got to be able to fight fire and do it well and be smart. And one of the things I really believe in is that our goal is to develop smart firefighters because smart firefighters know their job. They can do their job. They know when to be aggressive. They know when to be conservative. And they are constantly relearning and learning what's next. What, what I learned as a, a rookie in the late 70s and early 80s some of that that information set the foundation for what I do today, but some of that stuff was myth and um, inaccurate information that, that as we study and learn more of the science of fire, we learn things that they used to teach that may not be right. So if you don't continue to reinvest in yourself and develop yourself, you may you may be working on the current knowledge from 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but that isn't right for today. And that doesn't make you safer. It doesn't make the community safer. It doesn't make the crew safer. You got to constantly reinvest in, in your learning. Uh, my old boss who was a Marine Corps Colonel used to talk about regreening all the time and you have to, you have to reinvest in that. That's great. And you know, I hear, we hear a theme on the podcast a lot about continuous learning, continuous improvement. But one thing that I'm hearing with you a lot too is taking that knowledge and paying it forward, giving it back, sharing it with other people. And, you know, going back to our original discussion about, you know, you didn't get the top job and the chief position, but that 
that worked out in a sense because you were able to become what well, my boss, uh, editorial director Greg Freeze, likes to call a force multiplier. You were a, you were able to move into a position and not only influence a single department, but people around the country and in some cases the world. So I think it's really interesting to hear your story and frame things around this idea of we're not only bettering ourselves, but the people around us. And you've seized upon this, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, this opportunity to share your passion for education and learning with a whole new group of people that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise. Absolutely. And, and you bring up an excellent point. There are events that occur in our life that are disappointing and, and you, you, you have to pick a path. And, and we see some people in the fire service didn't work out. Uh, they get frustrated. Um, they check out and, you know, they, they retire in place and I can understand it. Um, we, we've, we've all had experiences that, that can damage us, but there, there are also opportunities to reinvent ourselves. And, and you have to periodically reinvent yourself as you move through your career because you can't stay the same. And, and to take those opportunities as they present, and sometimes you don't even realize when they're first presenting themselves, but embrace, embrace what you're doing and, and do it the best that you can. It may not be the same as anybody else would do it, but do it the best that you can and take it as far as you can. And, and you're absolutely right. I, I could have, I could have been chosen to be the, the fire chief and, and, and I could have had great impact and, and great opportunities. And, and I'm not sure where that road would have led, but what it, what it opened up for me here is opportunities to be involved at not only a, a local level, but a state level, a national level, an international level. And, and I'm in a position now that I can continue to influence for, for a generation or two as I set the strategic direction for the organization into the future to, to set up my, my, my uh, successors for success also. So I look at that all the time and think that, that geez, it's, it's good to be me. Yeah. Well, and now you're, think about it. Like you're, you're setting up kind of a, a framework for the, for the entire fire service, because what you're learning with your research is changing sometimes policies. It's changing uh, the way that we respond because we now have data based off of what's going on on your campus. That's, that's gotta be a cool feeling, right? Oh, like you're, it, I, I'd have never had the the opportunity being on the fire department to do some of the kind of research things that we've done here that we continue to do here. And and you're right, but the, the key component with that is the translation from science and and journals to firefighter ease. And and yep. we've got to continue to get that stuff out, whether it's it's the the um insert in one of the magazines, whether it's it's disseminating articles in magazines, whether it's the, the Lavender Report or, or any of those kind of documents that are out there. And, and, and we have to, we have to uh, renew the information that people had previously learned so that they understand that some of the things that we always thought were true 
may not be true. And and the the prime example that I use is, geez, I'm I'm a I'm a hardworking salty firefighter. I'm wearing my gear in the station. I got a little soot on me, and and my helmet is dirty. And this is a great thing. Well, we've learned that that's not true. That that you need you need to put you need to clean your gear regularly. You need to especially clean your gear after structure fires. You shouldn't wear it into living spaces. You shouldn't eat anything without washing yourself up. And you should always shower within an hour of, of being exposed. Because if we do gross decon and if we shower, we can significantly reduce the exposure to those byproducts of combustion that some of them are proven to be bad for us and some of them, the jury's still out. And it doesn't mean that they're good. It doesn't mean that they're safe, but it just doesn't mean that we have enough information. And, and as we progress in science, um, in particular, as we collect more and more data through the firefighter registry, cancer registry, and the, ex the exposures, we're going to have a lot more data yeah. on, what's good and what's bad and what makes sense and what doesn't. Um, I started in a time where SCBAs were new. And as a young guy, I would never imagine going into a fire without one. But I had guys, uh, older guys that, that were mentors of mine that were great firefighters. And they wore them on their back and they were in there. And, and, and as soon as they came out, they had to have a cigarette to clear their lungs, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and a lot of those guys aren't here anymore. And I wish they were. Yeah. I remember like uh, the stories, you know, obviously being in Madison with you, your job as a rookie was to empty all the ashtrays every morning, right? Like, oh God, in, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 and that's totally changed obviously, but it's based off of data. People started to yes. say, all right, the smoking's bad for you. Hey, uh, breathing, well, all the, the different carcinogens on the fire ground are bad for you. I mean, what's another thing we're kind of missing that you now with, with, with your, um, with your exposure to all of the different data and, and things that you've seen, what's another message you're, you would be, you, you're, you want us to get. So, so I, I, I'm going to toss you a softball because it's really an important one. You have to maintain your fitness because, uh, yeah. you know, um, I, I've gotten old and I've gotten a little heavier than I should. And I go up and down a lot more than when I was, when I was on the job, but, that investing in your, your fitness and conditioning when you're younger pays dividends as you get older. And, and you have to do it smart. You know, there were, there were times that, that uh, I'm, I'm working out with Chief Price and we're going to see how much we can lift. And yeah. that's probably not a good idea anymore. He's an Olympic, uh, former, former Olympic and, and pro uh, football player. So, yes. yeah. Yes. Right? And we're yeah. going to see who's, who, you know, we're going to really push ourselves. And, and, and even, and, and one of the things he taught me was don't be doing that. That's, yeah. that's not smart. But, but the fact of the matter is being in, better shape, watching how you eat, um, watching what you, again, food, food isn't always for enjoyment though. It is it's fuel and, and picking the right fuel for the machine and, and to, to, to talk uh, your language, we are, we are competitive athletes in the fire service and, and we have to maintain our strength. We have to maintain our flexibility. We have to maintain our agility. And if we do all of those things, younger it's easier to do those when you're older and 
the whole goal of this is to, to come out on the other end and have a long, long and happy retirement. Yeah, and and whether you're a volunteer or professional, you still have those days where you're not going to go in anymore. And that's okay. There's younger people to do that, younger men and women. And, and how do we set the example for them to follow and, and I'm still going to love to have a malt at lunch every once in a while, because that's what we do. But, you know, you got to pay attention to that kind of stuff. And so, so again, keep yourself up to date on the science of, of firefighting, the, the information and the, the technology that, that continues to improve firefighter safety and, and, uh, ability to do our job, but also you, you've got to invest in yourself, not only in your education, but in your, your conditioning and your fitness, because that's going to, that's going to hold off a lot of the bad stuff that, that makes you more, more vulnerable when you get emphysema, when you get diabetes or pre-diabetes, when you have hypertension, when you have heart conditions, all of those things make you susceptible to, to other things and, and to pay attention and, and to invest in yourself is an investment in your organization and an investment in your crew. And I, I knew you, I knew you'd like that, but, but it's, it's just, it's just fact. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's data behind that. Does well, IFSI, I know that you have a, a, some great fitness stuff in your academies. Uh, any, any, interesting research coming up on that at all? We, we, we started, that's, that was the beginning. That was the beginning of IFSI research in uh, the uh, mid to late eighties with Dr. Denise Smith, when she was working on her doctorate on fitness and hydration and Richard Kessler, who uh, used to be part of our team, who's now moved over to uh, uh, UL and, and they steal some of our people. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, <laughs> you know, cause we have some really good people. Um, you know, that, 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 that fitness component, we, we have collected data on a number of, of different firefighting classes in particular, the Academy, but others, um, and, and looked at what role fitness plays in firefighter success. And, and we know that maintaining fitness and hydration makes a difference on cardiovascular health. We know because of the research that, that Denise Smith has done that um, firefighters that go into to structural fires or, or live fire scenarios, the, the uh, impact on their cardiovascular system is significant. It, it literally changes the elasticity of the blood vessels for a period of time after the fire changes the, the, the coagulopathy, the, 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 the ability, or the, it, it, it makes the, the body um, want to have those things that cause our heart attacks. Um, and, and by maintaining your fitness and by maintaining your hydration, you mitigate significantly the risk of having that heart attack after a fire. Once, once, once I read through the research, I understand why 24 hours after a fire, somebody's having a heart attack because right. they've done things to the body that takes time to recover from. And, and if you're in an organization that's going to, to, to structure fires more regularly, or you're, you're just unlucky and you got two in a row, 
that just magnifies that that potential for problems. So so you can't wait till the fire to be hydrated. You got to get hydrated all day long and be ready. Even if you don't need it, you got to be ready. Yeah. And you guys, uh, I mean, you're, you have a great position there where I know we've talked um, about how you try to embed that in every single drill and every single training that you do. It doesn't have to be, you know, a live fire. It could be any, anything, right. any type of training. And I, I know that we've talked uh, a lot about how, yeah, you're doing a, a drill on, on, on forcible entry or ventilation or whatever it is but you can use that time to uh, also hit these points home, like staying hydrated, staying mobile and staying fit, uh, not only physically, but that helps mentally. And, and um, you know, it's, it's great to hear you say that because you see the research and we all know it. It's, it's just that application period, part of it. And I think the more messages we can get, uh, the better off we're going to be. You know, we other thing that that you and I and and of course for those that are listening, I do get a I have a pretty good direct connect to Chief and and I've he's been a sounding board for many years. But what about emotional intelligence? You you said that you guys have developed a um, leadership program, and it sounds like that's one of the things that you guys focus on is is how to emotionally connect and and read people, right? So so it begins it begins in the very beginning of the academy. Everybody's a leader. Even though you're a, a new firefighter, we talk about leadership, but we also talk about followership, and and we stress that. And um, classes, you get to practice that because at different times, different people fill different roles, and and you know how it is. Um, you're going to be in charge of this drill. You're going to be in charge of uh, of the crew this time, and 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 ment- being able to mentor people um, in the class by experienced instructors you know um our our student instructor ratio tends to be uh many instructors for a low number of students we we have classes that the instructor ratio is one instructor for two students depending on the kind of class that rick class is 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 two students for every instructor Mm -hmm. and and that way they can guide them through things and coach them along and and in the academy, they got to crawl, walk, run. You know, they got to go slow in the beginning. They got to get the muscle memory. They got to get the practice. Um, and they got to work their way up to where they're doing multiple company drills or multiple company exercises under real life simulation. You know, we we talk about high fidelity simulation all the time in the fire service or, or in, in, in emergency response. We've done high fidelity simulation for years with structure fires and, and, and training fires and house burns and, and, and those kind of things. You can't get more realistic than going into a real fire. And, and it, it creates that friction, but you got to do it in a sequence and an order. You can't, you know, it's, it's one thing to take a, a, a group of brand new recruits into a, a live burn scenario to watch fire behavior and all of you sit on the floor here and watch what happens so you understand it. It's another to take them in in the first week and and expect that they're going to be able to do search perfectly. It isn't going to happen. Um, so so we have to we have to walk people through that. And and there are opportunities in all classes to develop leadership skills, to give people opportunities to make decisions you know, uh, an engine operation, you know, you know, what, 
what what are you going to do? What lines are they going to use? And 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 why are they using the lines? And why is it important to flow uh, a certain GPM at the nozzle, giving giving somebody the ability? Or why in, in an officer class or a uh, firefighting class is it important to rotate who's who's leading the crew in, who's mm-hmm. talking on the radio, who's who's giving those kind of directions? It's it's opportunities to develop and grow younger people. Um, and, and you saw it in, in Madison. I know you did because at some point in time when you were riding backwards, somebody said, Aaron, um, you're going to drive today for a while. I'm going to sit behind you and you're going to ride the seat. Um, and yeah, you're going to take us to the grocery store and you're going to bring us back. And uh, eventually uh, maybe I'll, I'll let you drive on a call once I'm comfortable with you know, the size of the vehicle, you know, we have to develop that slowly. And then you're driving, you're driving today. And the officer says, you're going to ride over on the right. I'm going to drive, or we're going to have him drive and and I'm going to sit behind you and and you're going to talk on the radio and you're going to be the officer and, and and you're going to do a couple of EMS calls and and you're going to, if, if something big goes on, I'm here to back you up. Yep. Yep. You're not doing it the first time. So you know, you, you you know, my officer, you know, that happened a lot because you know, my officer, you trained him. Yeah. But you're right. And, and this is where another theme and Janelle is smiling because it talks about, uh, we've, we've, there's another theme that we have about being better means that you have to get out of your comfort zone and you you only grow, you only grow when you're uncomfortable. Yeah. You don't grow when you're in your comfort zone and 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 i can remember you know when i first became a paramedic and i was uncomfortable i can remember the first few times when when i was driving the rig and being uncomfortable but you you get better and and the advantage we have as firefighters uh or being part of the fire services you got a team of people that got your back all the time. Yeah. They're not going to let you screw up or they aren't going to let you screw up in a way that that's not recoverable. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with making mistakes, nothing wrong with, with making bad decisions, because if you never take risk, if you never push yourself to, to get up, not only get outside your comfort zone, but try different things, you don't grow, you don't develop, and and you you know that 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 distress and you stress, distress bad, you stress makes you better, makes you stronger. You know, if you're not if you're working out and all you're doing is three three pound dumbbells all day long, you're not developing muscle. You're just exactly you, you don't grow. Yep, you, you don't know? grow without that stimulus. You know, you gotta. You gotta be you. You gotta be that Lieutenant Kaltenberg sitting there watching TV with his fifty pound dumbbell, um, <laughs> yeah, and then switching sides and going to the next side. And and you gotta push yourself to 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 grow. Whether it's muscle, whether it's brain, whether it's it's experience, Emotional. you gotta push yourself. You gotta get outside your comfort zone. Well, and I'd like to connect the dots here amongst a, a few things we're talking about emotional intelligence, right? 
And then also your passion for instruction and what you see in other people. Um, I'd also like to jump in here and say, you know, you're single-handedly responsible for unleashing Aaron on the world. (laughs) So thank you. Um, Uh, But you saw something in Aaron and you are good at identifying who needs to be where. Um, And so again, connecting the dots here with the getting outside the comfort zone, how do you identify what tips do you have for when you see someone who needs to be pushed and someone who has potential in them and you want to grow them? So that's, that's an excellent question. And, and all fire departments should hire the right people for the job. I can train people to do firefighting, but I can't train you to be a good person and a committed person. It, it, you, it's in you. It, either, either you, either you have it, either you learned it in kindergarten or um, your mom and dad got you there or maybe not. And, and not everybody's suited for this line of work, but if you want to commit yourself, if you want to have the right mindset, I can train you to pull, uh, uh, pull a hose. I can train you to raise a ladder. I don't, I, I can, I can, and Aaron will, will, I think back me up. I can help you develop the strength and the flexibility to do a lot of things. Um, what I can't train you to do is to be inquisitive and to be committed and to have the right mindset. And, and that's what the interview process is, whether you're being interviewed for a, a volunteer organization or a career inter- organization. I, I'm looking at all the people and, and I'm always thinking, what is the potential? And, and Aaron will, will, will reinforce this when the first day of their academy, I told them all that your impact on the fire service is much greater than mine because I'm at the end of my career and you're at the start of yours. You're going to be the next company officer. You're going to be the next training officer. You're going to be the next chief. And they all laugh at me. But Aaron Zamzel, next company officer now. Um, I look at the command staff in Madison. A majority of them were recruits in, in, in during the time I was in training. I'm gone. I'm a memory to that organization. Um, hopefully a good memory, but I don't know. Um, but but it's it's setting people up for success and 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 putting them on that right path. And then and and we talk about this all the time, helping them to find their way because it there there are a lot of stumbling blocks in your early career before you have truly become who you're going to become and having good company officers and good drivers and, and the barn boss and the senior firefighter that help you stay out of trouble early on and make good choices. Like your parents said, make good choices. And, and, and you got to tie yourself up with those people and, and don't get me wrong. There are curmudgeons in, in, in every department and every, every area if, if you tied yourself up with the wrong people, they're going to lead you astray and, and you're going to be disappointed. Where if you tie yourself up with the right people, if you find those mentors that are going to guide you to be successful, you're going to have a, a long and happy career. 
but but you also talk about uh, emotional intelligence. Part of what you have to realize is no matter what we do in the fire service, it's a temp gig. And you have to find a life and you have to find balance, not just being, I'm a firefighter and that's all I'll ever be. You've got to invest in, in your relationships. you got to uh, invest in your children and your friends. And you can't have only friends on the fire department. You have to expand because at some point in time, whether it's, whether it's 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, it's gone. And, and you have to have investment into your mental health too and your resiliency. And we talk a lot about resiliency and not, not everybody knows what that means, but, but part of your resiliency is, is having things that you find enjoyment and pleasure with outside of the fire service and also investing in your health and fitness because that helps you manage the things that we experience in the fire department that, that could lead you to unhealthy habits and unhealthy um, mindsets. And, and you have to realize that there are always choices and, and you're not going to be perfect and you're not going to hit home runs every time, but you, you got to try and, and, and reset yourself when you find that, geez, I, I'm having a little bit too much ice cream lately. I better, <laughs> I better, I better put that scoop away and, and maybe I'm going to go with something a little healthier today. Yes. Yes. Or tequila or beer or whatever that might be. Yeah, right. Whatever that might be. Yep. Yeah. Everything in moderation. Um, and I think that that's a great summary of, of the lessons that I've, I've been taught by you and by your example and, um, you know, continually educate, evaluate, good people and things around you and, and, and then, you know, trust people to do their job. Right. And, and, and if, if you, they can't do their job, then you got to train them to do it and, right. and give them and, those tools. And, and that's a, that's a key point. If, if somebody's not meeting expectations, you got to work with them. You can't just give up on them and, and you got to constantly as leaders, we're responsible to, to try to try to make everybody the best they can be. Not everybody's going to be the same, but the goal is to get everybody to, to as high a level of per productivity and performance that they can be. I'll never be an Aaron uh, Zamzow um, working out. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not there anymore. But I can be the best that I can be in, in, in whatever area that is. I'm never going to have the brain power of a Chief Kika, but together we're going to be pretty devastating, I think, right? That's why we work as a team and, and we all have different different skills and assets and abilities we bring together. And and we're in this together. And and that's that's one of the things I really love about the fire services. You know, don't don't for a minute think that that I'm the best there is, because I know that I'm not, but I have great people around me. I have great instructors across the state. I have a, a great leadership team. And my job is to, to make things work for them and to help them not only to grow, but to get their job done and stay out of their way. You know, there's so many things that, that I, you know, as a leader, you can meddle in, but really should you? And, and if, if the officer is doing firefighter work, who's doing the officer work? If the chief is doing lieutenant or captain work, who's doing the chief work? And, and you, you got to remind yourself that I got it. That's fun. Or that's more comfortable, but I got to, I got to stay in my lane and I've got to do my job where I am. 
And, and my job here is to enable people's success, just as it was when I, when I was a, a, the, one of the assistant chiefs. It was to set people up for success and give you what you need to the best I can, realizing you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything. You, you know, I got I to gotta help you. Yeah. I got to help you to be successful. And, and support, right? And, and I think, uh, like you said, when you're a team, you support each other and, yeah. and, and vice versa. I got to help you, um, you know, with your vision too at right. times. Right. And, and we, I got to tell you what my vision is. That's the other part of the it. expectations. Yep. That's that is a leader. We're responsible to tell you the expectations, what, what I, you can expect from me, what I expect from you and, and what, what you cannot do my unrecoverables. That's, that's what, I call, or that's what the, the military calls a command philosophy. I've got to tell you what my command philosophy is so you can meet those expectations. And, and if, if I don't tell you, I can't be unhappy if you're not meeting them because you're doing the best you can. So I got to tell you what I expect. Know your job, do your job. Yeah. When, when you come to me is. to make decisions, Chances are it could probably be made at a lower level and, and people are always happier when decisions are made at the lowest level possible. Yep. Yeah. Just take care of it. So, and speaking of which my job now is, uh, to, to take all of this great information that, that we've had and summarize it with a quick, um, thank you for your knowledge. Number one, number two, I think you had hit on pretty much, um, every single leadership lesson that we've talked about the last year on, on this podcast, but uh, brought it together very eloquently. And, but you're not done yet. We still have one little thing that we do on this podcast and that's, we put you in the hot seat. We ask you some fun, personal questions, quick kind of uh, rapid fire. Um, I always say that. And then I ask something that's not rapid fire, but that's just me. Um, but again, chief, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for, again, your knowledge. And, uh, and I've heard it numerous times from you. And every time I do, I get more fired up to just be better after, after um, our, our conversations. Um, but I have one question for you. I want to, can I lead the hot seat today, Janelle? If I, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you, you've been a mentor for a lot of people and you, you help inspire and educate who inspires you. It's a great question. And, and I could rattle off um, Terry Sheridan and Bob Howard and Jim Apple and Gordy Rasmussen and Dave Daggett and um, Deborah Mesqua and Marshall Holtz and all of those people that that, that came before me at, in Madison and there's tons of people here. You know, um, I, I I get to work with some of the most unbelievable people in the world here, and and we all got to where we are. On, on the shoulders of giants. And, um, you know, we, we've all had tremendous mentors and some of them were just our peers, you know, um, Ron Schwen, Art Price, Ernie Martinez, um, you know, and the list can go on and on. I, 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 I could bring out a book in and list them all. Um, but we have to realize that we're, we're we're here because of everybody that came before us, and 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 we have to leave things better when we leave for the people after us, and and set them up for success. 
and and hopefully and, and you've been very gracious and very kind and 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 uh all of your comments but hopefully i gave you something that will help you be successful through the rest of your career and then you can pass that on to some some other kid that comes and and gets on your nerves because they're a little over enthusiastic and 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 you go where in the world did these kids come from they'll never be successful in the fire service they're not like we were well the fact of the matter is they they are going to be successful because they have to be they're the next generation and we have to realize that all right well changing gears just a little bit you were talking about <laughs> balance before and the need to work, you know, have work-life balance. What is your passion outside of the fire service? Do you have a hobby that is your go-to? I need to disconnect. I wish I could tell you that my hobby is fitness. <laughs> uh, and and I, I do it, but it, 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 I, I at times do it grudgingly. I'm, I'm, I'm truly a fair weather exerciser, even though I have, have uh, a universal gym in the basement and, and an elliptical down there and, and, and I use it, but not as much as I should, but there are things that I like to do. Um, uh, I like to play in the garage and make sawdust and, and, and uh, my wife thinks it's not so much that, but I like to buy tools. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to play on the computer and, 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 um, you know, I, I, I look at your setup, uh, a little bit, you know, I I've got some of the same toys that you have, um, for, um, video and, and computers and, and technology. Um, about a year ago, uh, I picked up a 3d printer and, um, that thing will run, you know, 12, 24, 36 hours in days in a row as I play with stuff and make stuff for the garage, of course. Uh-huh. Um, right. If and, you, if you and, can't buy the tools, you got to make them. Well, I, I could buy them, but why why buy them when I can make them? You know? Right. And, you and like there's always some new software. Halligan? Can I make a halogen? Yes, but it'll, it won't be very strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't mastered that welding and that kind of stuff. So so I like to putz around and, and just do stuff. Um, I like to spend time with my wife and my children and, and my family. Um, though my children have grown up, uh, but we get to see my daughter a lot. And we talk to my son, who's a Marine quite a bit. So, so, you know, uh, have, have tried to take my advice and invest in things outside the fire department. So I have things to do beyond the fire service. Cause some, some point in time, I'm not going to be the director. I'm going to, I'm going to go into the, the life of leisure. Well, all right. Hopefully not anytime soon, I think, right? We're not ready for that yet. No, we're not ready for that. Uh, speaking of roles, your role as a director right now, what's, what's been your favorite role that you've, um, uh, that you've had through your, is it th how many years now? Four, is it 40 years in 40, the fire service? 43, 44 now. Yeah. yeah. So what's your favorite it, role that you've had? You know, I would say all of them. I loved I love being a firefighter and, and, and doing the firefighter stuff. I love being a firefighter paramedic and having an impact on people's lives. I love being an officer and, and a chief officer and having impact. You know, I, I found, I found satisfaction all in, in all of my roles. I also found dissatisfaction at times in all of my roles. Um, 
I would say that that right now the 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 greatest pleasure I get is bragging about the institute and and how great the the people are around here and the 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 kind of work that we do. But I also love bragging about the Madison Fire Department and 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 what a great department um, and and what an exemplary department it it, it is and was um, when I was there. So, you know, there's 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 great things in all of it. It's it's keeping it in perspective and, and not losing track. You know, we all have bad days. We all have, um, we all make dumb mistakes. We all make mistakes. Um, but it's, it, I think it speaks volume how you cut, recover from mistakes and, and how I'm, I'm, I've always been in, in Aaron knows this, a, a half full glass guy that things, things are good and things will get better. Um, if they aren't good now, we're, we're just not there yet. And keep working at it. Keep working. That's great. All right, Aaron, is it okay if I bring us home with a really deep and profound question? Uh oh. Um, this is this is a big one. Um, can you just tell us some really embarrassing Aaron stories from early? <laughs> no one's listening. It's just us. It's just us. It's just us. Um, but yeah, please was, give us some no, ability. I can't talk about that time. But there, no, I can't talk about that time. You can, you know, you can talk about all of them. There's, there's, you know, Aaron's always been the, uh, even though he has passion and enthusiasm, he's always been a bit of the adult in the room. Um, he's always been a little more mature than some of the others, but he's always found a way to have a good time with the people. Um, he was always fun to work with. Um, Are we talking I, about I the cannot, same Aaron? I can't Aaron think of a time that I chewed him out in the academy. I can't think of a time that I chewed him out as a chief. Um, I am surprised. You know, yeah. I'm well, no, you got to. I was on my. I was on probation for most of the time that he was the chief, so I was in my best behavior too. Let's just <laughs> for those people that think that he's lying. He's not lying. I was on probation. And probably double secret probation in a lot of cases, uh, right, Chief? Because I think, um, you know, uh, we we went through the academy, and I was uh, I was a little bit older. I was than most people in my class, and so you know, I think the life. But you weren't the helped. oldest we hired. Yeah, correct. You know, right, 50, fifty years old um, was was our oldest while I was there. Yes, and, yeah. and he stayed another fifteen years. Yeah. Uh, is and that he Pete? was an asset to the organization his entire time there? Yeah, Pete, right? Trilling? Yep, Pete. Yeah, yep, yeah. They we uh, one of the w wonderful things about the fire service is that in, in Madison we we do a great job of hiring very diverse backgrounds, and we hired. Uh, he was an FBI agent. Um, FBI agent, Secret Service agent, retired. Uh, LA city police captain. Right. And then came to the fire service and went through the Academy at age 50. And, and yeah. uh, I mean, just an, an incredible, incredible individual. And, you know, and I think that that brings it back full, full circle is that we, the fire service and, and chief, we've had these great conversations. You have unbelievable people that work for you. Oh. And, and, and there are unbelievable people in the fire service. Uh, Janelle, you get to meet and talk to a lot of them and see them. And, um, you know, just trying to build on what Chief said about being optimistic. Uh, you know, there are things that we need to improve on in the fire service, but when you look down at the people and and uh, and and leaders like like Chief Keegan and 
those that we surround ourselves with on the show, uh, it's, um, it's truly, uh, I feel I have really good feelings about the future. And you said, sometimes we're going to be challenged chief. And it's just a matter of overcoming them because there is no choice. We have to train the next generation. We absolutely do. And, and, and if you go to our website, um, fsi.illinois.edu and, and look in, in, uh, the, the leadership area and look at all of our program managers and program directors, they're all subject matter experts in the country. Many of them are on FPA committees. Uh, many of them are, are, are doing things that no one else is doing. Um, and, and they're building just what you said, the next generation. So, so from, from the, the newest basic instructor that comes in, they're being developed by all of these people that, that are, are experts in their own right. You know, I, I have retired commissioners of the Chicago Fire Department. I have chiefs from across the state. I have, have firefighters and firefighter paramedics and, and people from, from literally all walks of the fire service that are Part of our staff here and and they're developing all of those people not only in class but those young instructors that have followed them and a lot of those those experts were young instructors in their own time and were brought up by by people that were before them again um eddie enright says all the time that, that and he's a retired uh deputy chief from the city of chicago we're on the shoulders of, of all of those that came before us and, and we are, and we can't let them down. We have to commit to develop that next group of people, whether, whether they're, they're they, they seem like they're 12 year old kids or not, they're probably not. We just got old, <laughs> but, but we have to invest our time and energy into them because they're all going to take our place. And they're going to they're going to have to develop the next generation after that. Well, I thank you for investing your time in Aaron and hiring him. <laughs> We've got I was two just force multipliers on this call now. Yeah. Oh, well, and and I was just going to say thanks for taking a, a a chance on me. My career has obviously um taken a, a an unbelievable path and I I feel like I have the greatest job, maybe the second greatest job behind yours and I get to talk to um all the leaders of the fire service, including yourself. And, and I just get uh, continually fired up every single day. And I hope those listening, um, have, and take some of chief Keegan's knowledge. Uh, they, uh, how can they reach you chief? If they have any questions about, you services? know, they, they can get a hold of me at our website, um, fsi.illinois.edu. Um, I'm under the leadership team. There's, there's a click, there's a phone number and, and, uh, uh, email link, um, J K E I K E N at Illinois.edu is, is my email. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about anything. And, uh, again, um, I'm not telling you, I'm going to know anything about it, but I got, I got people. He's got people, got lots of people here. <laughs> he's got people and, and he's, and he is great people. Thanks chief so much for your time, for your knowledge, again, for taking a chance. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this, you can actually watch on uh, the Fire Rescue One YouTube page. You can also watch us at uh, firerescue1.com. You can email us at the show. Tell us uh, if you like what we're doing, if you want to see more, if you want to see different things at Better Every Shift at firerescue1.com. Please rate, review the show, uh, reach out to us. 
but most importantly, make sure that you learn something, do something, share something to make you and those around you better every shift. Thanks so much for listening.